News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 106B of the Luke Messias Show. We have talked about during the session bringing you some kind of mid week episodes because the reality is so much is going to go on over the next several months that we're going to have to kind of come to you uh, in the middle. We're not going to be able to wait week to week. Uh, We'll have way too much information to bring to you. So Texans, uh, a pretty major piece of legislation has just been filed, House Bill 3. And I have invited Matt Rinaldi and Tony McDonald on, two different conservative attorneys that I know that have looked at this legislation uh, to give their perspective on exactly what it does. Now, first, I want to kind of explain to you as a Texas constituent, uh, what how this process works. So House Bill 3, the fact that this bill was given such a low bill number means that it was singled out by the Speaker of the House to be a top priority of the legislature. And in fact, one of the things they've done is they've taken a whole lot of priorities that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick uh, rolled out that even the governor put in his um in his state of the state regarding something like pandemic liability protections. And they've put it in this omnibus bill. Okay, so one massive omnibus bill saying this is how the legislature thinks a pandemic response should happen regarding the entire state of Texas. And in that bill, there's some controversial stuff. And so that's what I want to bring Matt and Tony in. Here's uh, the, the biggest thing I would say. If you like the way Texas has handled the pandemic, if you think that the way that the governor has exercised near dictatorial authority, or maybe just pure dictatorial authority in the midst of this pandemic, then you would support House Bill 3. Because House Bill 3 basically says, I would almost call it the Abbott model, okay, where how Abbott handled the pandemic is basically put into law. The, the, the state legislature is going to take an entire new statute and say, this is how we want a pandemic. Handled, And then they basically take everything that Abbott did and put it into this section. So it does limit local government's ability to shut down your business. Why? I don't know, because it doesn't seem to say that that is not the role of government. They just think that that's kind of relegated to the role of the governor. So anyways, I don't know this bill as well as Tony or Matt does. Um, So we're going to bring them in. Matt, why don't you kind of overview the legislation, fill in any holes of what I said, and just kind of give your overall perspective? Um, Well, I'd I'd abridge that. I'd say, or I'd change that. I would say if you thought the way that Governor Abbott handled the pandemic, or even if you like the way Governor Newsom handled the pandemic, I mean, it basically allows either approach uh, by the governor. It it actually uh, strengthens the power of the governor in issuing executive orders to shut down businesses, to mandate masks, it doesn't abridge it. And uh, there are some two particular provisions which were offensive to me that, that I want to draw a highlight to. The first of all was it does actually increase the strength of the governor to issue these executive orders. Um, if you look, it says the governor only has uh, the power um, to issue orders as given by this this bill. But then the bill says the governor can issue any order that furthers the purposes of this chapter. And the purposes of the chapter include reducing the vulnerability of residents uh, to damage, injury, and loss of life resulting Mm. from a pandemic. Um, 
maintain employment levels for state residents to the extent possible, of course it says, <laughs> and uh, it, it is extremely broad. So effectively the governor could issue any executive order. Um, it actually says in the purposes that, the, that a purpose of this statute is to strengthen the role of the governor in subsection six of, of 418A.002. So first of all, it doesn't do anything to curb the power of the governor. It increases the power of the governor. The second thing I want to point to is these liability protections, because that's been an issue. Businesses should not be liable for the spread of respiratory diseases on their premises, period. Okay, that, that's never a duty that we've recognized. But yet what, what this says here is um, civil liability says that uh, a business operating during a pandemic is not liable for an injury caused on its premises by exposure to a disease if, among other things, uh, the business made a reasonable effort to comply with applicable federal, state, and local laws, rules, ordinances, declarations, and proclamations related to the pandemic. Well, what does that mean? That means so, you so can- let me let me ask a, a follow-up question, Matt, because I actually hadn't dug into that section of the bill yet. So the way I read that section of the bill, it says, if you are a obedient servant to all of the decrees of the government, you're not liable. But if you are not obeying every government edict, law, everything with your business, then you are liable. Would that be correct? Yes, the, the, the section doesn't apply uh, unless you're following every federal, state, and local law rule proclamation and declaration. Well, that, that includes everything that, you know, Dr. Fauci says, like double masking and masking of three-year-olds. I mean, this effectively makes Dr. Fauci king of, of Texas when you leave your house and, and mm. visit a business. Uh, if, I, if, it, I, it, if I can jump in. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It's not that these businesses are currently liable and then we're adding an exemption from the liability. That's what it looks like it's doing, but they're not currently liable. So it actually mm. creates the impression potentially that courts could say, well, they are liable if they didn't comply with these exceptions. So one right. of the- And also, also, Tony, I want to point to another section, which is subsection four, right? So the quote, protection from liability only applies if the business is negligent, but not if they're grossly negligent, reckless, or willful. Um, and this is something that typically happens in law, you disclaim negligence. But why all these conditions if you're only getting rid of negligent liability and you seem to be imposing liability uh, of, other, uh, of other states of mind, like gross negligence? It, it, it makes no sense. Uh, so going back to these specific parts uh, regarding executive authority, right? Because this bill, like I said, it's an omnibus bill. There's a lot of sections to talk about in it. But Matt, when you say strengthens the power of the governor, I know one of like, you know, a lot of legislators are going to say the governor already has this authority, right? Like he currently has this authority. So is it strengthening it or is it just keeping the status quo? Um, I want to kind of hear your thoughts on, on that pushback. Well, the purpose of the statute in the statute is, oops, sorry. Um, now the purpose of the statute in the statute is to strengthen the, the role of the governor. So that's what it states, but yeah, he doesn't, so, I mean, have, this, if, he if doesn't taking, have this power. 
yeah. uh, currently. He has very limited powers within 418, um, and, and Tony can verify this and probably expound on it, um, to, I guess, relevant to a pandemic, to control the occupancy of buildings, the movement of people, and he can suspend state laws dealing with the conducting of state business uh, with certain very, in certain very narrow circumstances. Yeah, if I can jump in, Luke, this is the deal. This bill in practical effect rescinds and destroys and makes meaningless the Texas constitution. I mean, this is uh, as pernicious, as disgusting of a piece of legislation as I've ever seen filed in the Texas legislature. Um, and the problem is that you have the 1975 um, Disaster Act. The problem here is not, it, it is in what the bill says, right? And we can talk all about what the bill specifically says, but it's more important, it is in what the bill is, okay? It is a doubling down on the mm -hmm. radical interpretations, the radical unconstitutional interpretations of the current Disaster Act. You have the 1975 Disaster Act that's currently in code that deals with disasters generally. And the governor has contorted that act to ignore and obliterate the constitutional restrictions on the executive over the last, you know, uh, I guess we're going on now a year. So what they're doing in this, the, the, the thing is, the bill from 1975 was passed by a bunch of Democrats who are now mostly dead. Okay, and it is an open question whether a court might finally look at these things in the right posture and say, you know, hey, you know, that provision in the 1975 Act that says the governor can suspend laws, that appears to conflict with Article 1, Section 28 of the Texas Constitution, which says uh, no power of suspending laws in this state shall be exercised except by the legislature. So, when you pass a law that says the governor can suspend laws, that, that seems to me to be kind of on point to violate the constitution where it says only the legislature can suspend laws. Yeah. Okay, just to me, it seems like it. But no court has really opined on that yet. Um, but what we have here is the legislature, the current legislature contemplating saying, hey, we want to take a fresh look at this and we want to freshly endorse mm -hmm that unconstitutional provision from the 1975 Act, because it literally takes the 1975 Act, it copies it, it says pandemic throughout it, it adds a few pandemic-related provisions, and it, it's new law. And so this would be a fresh endorsement. And so you ask yourselves, are, are courts are made up of elected officials? And you go to the Texas Supreme Court and you say, hey, stop this governor from violating the laws because he's trampling on the legislature. Well, why would the court care if the legislature today repasses this law and says, well, we just don't care. We want, we know that we don't have, you know, we can't give away the power to suspend laws. That is our treasure under the constitution. We have the authority to suspend laws, but we want to give it to the governor because we don't care about what the constitution says. Why should the court care? Why would the court say, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to protect you, legislature, from yourself? Mm -hmm. And that's why this is so pernicious, because it is a fresh endorsement of just things that are just blatantly unconstitutional and contrary to the entire system of Republican government that we have. Matt, 
Uh, can you, and, and feel free to opine on anything that, that Tony just said, but I also want to ask you to explain the fact that there, there's a portion in this bill that says the governor's executive orders are not a law, but then there's also a portion in the bill that talks about the governor's orders having the full effect of law to some extent. Uh, so can you kind of talk about that and anything else that Tony just said? Yeah, it's a distinction without a difference, basically. Mm -hmm. So it, they have the force and effect of law for purposes of people's everyday lives. Um, it's a law. It's, it's a law. And I, I want to, I have a little different view than Tony, not in the effect. I think this is the most offensive bill I've seen filed with a high bill number since I've been following the legislature, uh, probably for about a decade or more. Um, I mean, this is offensive. This is a disgusting piece of legislation. And I don't use those words lightly. Okay. Um, particularly, okay, when you're when you're looking at the effect on everyday life, what those those uh, business carve, I mean, the, the business liability protection and the conditions placed on it, uh, the the broad power granted to the governor, it doesn't only ratify everything that the governor has done in affecting the livelihoods and shutting the businesses down of, of mil millions of people in the state of Texas. Okay, everything offensive that's been done to your family in the last year, in in, in the name of preventing the spread of a respiratory virus, okay, is is ratified by this piece of legislation. But it gets worse. The day after this is done, you will see the effects of it because businesses will change their behavior in order to come under those liability protections. And part of it is adopting CDC recommendations. So what happens when you walk out of the house and you go to Home Depot? Well, you know, double masking is one of the recommendations, okay? What happens when I send my child to school? He might be in a private preschool. I'm looking at CDC recommendations right now. And it says, Okay, so now my, my preschool child needs to wear a mask at school. He also needs to social distance. Um, he also needs to, to stay away from other children to the extent possible. Um, I mean, basically your life is going to change. It's going to change to be more restrictive after this mm. is passed. And when, at a time when we all believe that these restrictions should be lifted. So I have two thoughts thoughts on that. First of all, and I've thought about this when it comes to like being a law without being a law, the distinction without a difference. And, and the analogy I've come up with is just, it's as if you tell somebody you're not a policeman. Okay. Like you're not a law enforcement officer. And they're like, cool. Can I dress like one, drive a car that looks like it and pull people over? And you're like, well, yes, you can do that but you're not a law enforcement officer. They're like, great, can I issue citations? You're like, you can issue citations. Yes, you may do that. Okay, well, do they have to pay my citations? They have to pay them. Okay, can I arrest somebody? You could do that too. Can I put them in jail? That would be a if, when you see appropriate. Okay, so I am a law enforcement officer. No, you're not. Don't call yourself that. Yeah, yeah. Don't, dare, don't dare call this guy a police officer because we said in the bill, he's not a police officer. That's right. And that's and have all the powers of a police officer. Yeah, and and I guess here here's the truth. It's a very it it's honestly very deceptive. I mean, in my opinion, these people aren't dumb. In fact, anybody who knows Dustin Burroughs knows. No, no, he's no. A, I I want to argue. I think it is a dumb thing because I think they. Look well, no, no. But I'm saying. I, let me let me make sure, Tony. Tony, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying you would have. There seems to be some deceptive attempt here because I do think they're smart enough to know what they're doing. And the idea of saying, uh, let's say it's not a law, 
but it has the full effect of law. Ha ha. That way we can tell everybody we're not letting the governor create law, but we are letting his executive orders be laws for as long as he wants them to be a law. But, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I was sharing this example the other day that there's a bill, the Munchausen by proxy bill, another bad bill in the legislature. Yep. And you know, there's a provision in there that was thrown in, obviously, to try and placate vaccine choice advocates. Mm-hmm. And, and you can you can see it playing out in this legislative office where they're like, hey, these idiot anti-vaxxers who we despise, okay, this is the legislature speaking, these idiot anti-vaxxers who we hate, okay, are complaining about this Munchausen by proxy bill. And so let's put a provision in there that says it doesn't apply to vaccines. Well, the bill, when you read it, actually has the effect of saying, okay, you can literally give, you can engage in Munchausen by proxy if you're giving vaccines. It's the exact opposite of what anybody might even conceivably be concerned about. But it's truly just like, hey, I want to throw something in there because I don't understand these people. I don't like these people. I don't respect these people. I don't respect them enough to understand why they're concerned. And so I just want to throw something in there to shut them up. And that's what's happened here because people are saying, hey, the Disaster Act is a grant of lawmaking authority to the governor, because if he can issue edicts that have the force and effect of law, that is the same thing as making laws. Mm-hmm. And that is unconstitutional because the lawmaking power is reserved for the legislature. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, so we'll just put in a provision that says he doesn't get to enact laws, but we'll still put in the provision. <laughs> you know, yeah. So again, it's like, hey, yeah. he's got web feet. It swims in a pond, it goes quack, but don't you dare call it a duck. Yep, yep. And then Matt, uh, and I, I'm <clears throat> trying to remember the, the last thing you said uh, in regards to, oh my gosh, sorry, I'm having a, uh, having a brain fart How it here. affects your, your everyday oh, life? Oh, yeah, your everyday life. So, so going back to the fact that, you know, again, I want to expand on that point. If anybody looks at uh, the implications of this bill, Every single one of these companies is, to Tony's point, currently not liable. But after this bill passes, and and I really do think, you know, the bill treats the governor like a king when he declares a pandemic. I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. We've all talked about it. In fact, this bill definitely does because, I mean, it literally gives him lawmaking authority that's not lawmaking authority and all these other things. So he can suspend other laws. He He can suspend other laws. Suspend all the laws and create all the new laws. That's right. And then the bill says, oh, by the way, so first we're going to create this reality where the governor is king-like in his authority. And then we're going to create this liability protection. Okay. And this is how sinister that liability protection is. If you're not a loyal subject of the guy we just declared king, we can sue the crud out of you. I mean, that's the, and and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to like, uh, but understanding that liability protections, the way I read it is, hey, we're making him a king. And if you're not going to do everything the king says to do, well, you're you're not protected. People can sue you as much as they want. Yeah. And even worse than that, too. Not only if you're not a loyal subject of King Abbott, but also yep. if you're not a loyal subject of Anthony President Fauci, Biden. President Biden. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So if, for or, example, if it, or, during or, kids sports or in Austin, you know, yeah. Well, I think, and and to to stop there, Tony, real quick, I just want to make sure. I do believe the bill restricts mayors and county judges. So, I mean, it's like to follow recommendations. 
Yeah, right, correct. But to, but to get the exemption, you have to follow proclamations at all levels. <laughs> and we're yeah. talking about recommendations like wearing like kit, like wearing masks while you're playing outdoor sports. Yep. I mean, if you look on the CDC list, if you look at the local entities, um, I, it, this is an endless list of requirements that's being implemented by this. Yep. But but I want to I want to agree with Tony. I mean, listen, if your legislature legislator starts playing dumb and doesn't realize what this means and starts to talk about the Second Amendment protection in it or the uh, the religious protection in the bill, then they, they think you're an idiot. I mean, they do. They're, they have an insidious purpose in this if they are trying to sell you that point. Because this is so outwardly such an abomination of a bill. It's so insidious of a bill that if they are trying to sell this to you, uh, they're, they're trying to put one over to, on you and they don't have a good intent. Yeah, I mean, the, the, our founders recognize that you have to have separation of powers. Mm -hmm. The legislature makes the laws but has no power to enforce it. And the people who enforce it have no power to make the laws. And whenever they want to enforce it, they then have to go to a third branch to go get them enforced. And that, that process ends with consulting with a jury of the accused peers. Like that's, it's a beautiful system that splits power up and it's the only way that you preserve people's rights and their liberties. And it, this just says, no, I mean, it, it literally actually contains uh, an acknowledgement of that it, that it doesn't interfere with the governor's authority to declare martial law. Martial law is when the military, you know, runs tribunals and makes orders and jails you or shoots you or what have, finds you or whatever. It is the suspension of the entire system of government. And this bill goes, oh, well, we, I don't know, we're not really touching. So it's, it's saying that oh, the governor has the authority to proclaim martial law. I mean, this is, is there a particular, I just want to understand, Tony, what you're saying uh, on that point. So is there a particular portion in the bill that addresses that? You might not yeah, have it up I mean, right it in front of you. It, it, it doesn't purport to grant the authority to, to declare martial law, but it, it assumes that the governor has the authority to proclaim martial law and says, well, this bill doesn't interfere with that, mm -hmm. which, is, which is a legislative recognition that apparently these people think that Governor Abbott could declare martial law, suspend the courts and say, you know, he's in charge as a general. Mm -hmm. Generalissimo Abbott is in charge and he is solely in charge. Uh, well, thank you both for coming on. I do think that if you're an average Texas, you know, voter out there, citizen that wants to know the implications of HB3 regarding the last year that we've all lived under a dictatorship in Texas where the governor has assumed that he has this authority, you at least get a little bit of a window into how the Texas House is talking about doing this. I, I love, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. Charles Perry, who's the senator in Lubbock, uh, wrote an awesome op-ed. I should have pulled it up before we started this, but uh, several months back, talking about his concerns over the exercise of executive, um, you know, overlording dictator uh, activity that, that Abbott had engaged in. And really saying, like, we need to really closely evaluate and restrain the governor's authority. And that is Charles Perry, who was in the House before Dustin Burroughs was there, right? I mean, Dustin Burroughs is his state representative. And now you have Representative Burroughs saying, not only do I want to, you know, further 
this. Um, but I do want to, you know, make it strengthen the, the governor's authority. And Matt, I actually thought about this. Another way that this bill strengthens the governor's authority is that it actually gives him authority um, to wield the threat of civil liability protections if you don't listen to him, which he currently doesn't have. So that's definitely a strengthening of his authority even in that way too. So is, are there any closing thoughts y'all have real quick? We just have another minute or two and then we can uh, close this out. Yeah, I don't know, Tony, go ahead. Yeah, you, I, I, this is the most disgusting bill. I mean, I, we can't emphasize it enough. Most disgusting bill I've seen filed in the Texas legislature since I've been paying attention since about 2007, okay? Um, it is a doubling, tripling down on the governor's unconstitutional stances. It is blatantly unconstitutional in various ways that are easy to see. I mean, like, you know, I read quotes earlier. It's very easy to say this is clearly, clearly a complete and total abomination to the Texas Constitution. Uh, and, and to that extent, it, it could never be law. It can never effectively, it can never actually be law. But uh, it, is, it is a vehicle by which the current legislature can express its consent mm. to, the, to, the, to the robbery of their powers that has taken place. And that's why it's so dangerous. Matt? Well, I, I, I mean, I agree with Tony. It's, it is, this is the worst bill I've seen that actually has a chance of passing yeah. <laughs> in, since my time here. Um, the, the problem is the executive power is virtually unlimited under this, but it's an insult to every single citizen of Texas that has lived for a year under these restrictions and expects them to be lifted. This bill, the day after it passes, if it passes with a two thirds majority, will result in more restrictions for Texans. The day after in their mm -hmm. everyday lives, uh, the more restrictions on their children, more restrictions on them. Uh, it, it, it needs to die. It cannot be fixed. Uh, and I want every activist out there to understand it. I appreciate both of you coming on. Thank you so much for all that information. If you're a Texan out there that's concerned about this, you can reach out to your state representative, state senator, and ask them to uh, consider opposing House Bill 3. That is your right to do so. Um, again, the way the Senate is going about this is they're breaking up all of these different policies and bills, which I think is a better way of doing it. You say, hey, let's debate liability protection. Let's debate uh, these different issues. And the House is put this all in one bill. This is a lot more like Washington, D.C. does their work. You know, they, they basically stick everything in one massive package and bring it um, to the floor. In D.C., the one downside is they don't do a whole lot of amending. So you don't get the debates on these individual issues. And at least in Texas, we've preserved the right for individual legislators to amend this legislation so that each and every one of these points can be debated if they actually bring House Bill 3 to the floor in its current form. And to Matt's point, even if they make a couple of changes, fundamentally this bill, the worldview that this bill, and I always try to go as many times to the worldview that this displays about the author. The worldview that Dustin Burroughs has in how he thinks government should act in the form of a pandemic during a pandemic is completely antithetical to the worldview of our founding fathers, of limited government, Republicans, independents, anybody who thinks that this thing has been handled with too heavy a hand of government, you are the antithesis of Dustin Burroughs' worldview and Governor Abbott's worldview. So it'll be an interesting debate to watch, and it is probably going to be one of the biggest debates of the legislature this session. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Tony, for coming on. God bless y'all. Thanks, Chris.
Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.